Africa. Online at k107.co.uk and on air at 107FM. This is K107 News. Head teachers in England will be able to stop an inspection if they think staff are under too much pressure following changes implemented by Ofsted. The school watchdog's publishing its new policy following the death of Ruth Perry. A coroner concluded a report downgrading her school over safeguarding concerns likely contributed to her suicide. Teacher Amy Clark says it's a step in the right direction but wants single-word judgments to be removed. They can destroy careers, they can destroy communities as well because they're really unfair because we're given a one-word judgment within a two-day inspection. That doesn't give the whole picture of what a school is like. That's just a snapshot. It can mean that head teachers leave. A former detective believes several people have been targeted for standing up to the police ahead of the outcome of a review into the way the Greater Manchester Force handles complaints. Maggie Oliver thinks Danica Stewart, who's sharing her story of being strip-searched in custody, isn't alone. It's power because when I left the police station that day the the sergeant on the desk said to me you need to drop all your complaints against the police they needed to show me who was boss the iopc watchdog insists its complaint systems simplified making it more accessible to the public greater manchester police says it can't comment on this case until the review's over adding it admits its failings when unsuccessful the chancellor's hinted at more possible tax cuts in the spring budget jeremy hunt says low tax economies are currently seeing the best growth Pubs and bars which stopped serving large glasses of wine found the total amount they sold dropped by around 8%. Researchers predict it could be a simple way of nudging people to drink less. And in sport, Egypt manager Rui Vittoria is hopeful Mo Salah's injury is not too serious after their two-all draw with Ghana at the Africa Cup of Nations. The Liverpool forward was substituted just before half-time with an apparent hamstring problem in the Group B clash. That's the latest. I'm Tanya Snugs. K107 News. New year, new home. There are new homes waiting for you at Whitewood Meadows by Ivanhoe Homes. Come along to our show home and see our new two and three bedroom homes, including a range of high quality finishes. Start the new year with a new home. Visit our website at ivanhoehomes.co.uk or call 01592 800 695 to arrange a visit. Make 2024 the new year with your new home at Whitewood Meadows. The Peter Vardy Big Sale ends this month. So if you want a big choice of cars, even bigger savings and some brilliant deals, visit us in-store now. Peter Vardy! Hello. Listen to real music variety on your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play K107. OK, it's time to shake our groove thing. And so the Prime Minister sees off a rebellion on Rwanda for now. His policy of sending asylum seekers there goes through the Commons. It's over to the Lords now. By practice, the Upper House doesn't block manifesto pledges. But then this was not in the manifesto. First Minister under pressure on the post office scandal. Safeguards imposed on XL bully dogs, but it's not a ban. And Jackie Bailey claims cancer care is a life-threatening lottery. From Caledonia Media, I'm Charles Fletcher with Scotland's favourite political show, 
the week in Holyrood. Surely the Prime Minister must understand that the anger that some of his own backbenchers have towards him is no comparison to the anger that the public have towards his party. The First Minister has come under pressure over the continuing post office scandal. Hamza Youssef says he's had positive contact with Prime Minister Rishi Sunak about bringing in a UK-wide solution to clear convicted postmasters and postmistresses. But that's a contradiction to Scotland's Lord Advocate, who told the Chamber this week convictions might have to be considered individually. So let's get underway. Welcome to the Chamber and the session of questions to the First Minister. Labour's Anas Sarwar will quiz the FM on plans to legislate against XL bully dogs. But first, the Conservative leader Douglas Ross on the post office. Can I begin by putting on record the best wishes of, I'm sure, the whole chamber and people across Scotland to His Majesty the King and the Duchess of Rossi. We wish them both a speedy recovery to good health. Last week, in response to the Horizon scandal, the First Minister said this. I think the idea of almost a mass exoneration is one that is very worthy of consideration. And in a letter to the Prime Minister just eight days ago, he said, and I quote, it is right that normal processes for appeals are set aside. But in a statement this week, the Lord Advocate, his government's top legal advisor said, and I quote, in Scotland, there is an established route of appeal in circumstances like this. So Hamza Youssef has said that there should be a blanket exoneration But the Lord Advocate believes that the current process for appeals shouldn't change with each case being considered individually. So can the First Minister tell not just Parliament, but crucially all the victims of this scandal, what the position of his government actually is? First Minister. Can I thank uh, Douglas Ross uh, for the question? Can I also associate myself with the remarks and wish a speedy recovery to both uh, King Charles and, of course, the Duchess? Uh, of Rossi uh, too. Uh, in relation uh, to uh, this issue, let's first and foremost begin by paying tribute once again, not just to Alan Bates, but to those hundreds of sub-postmasters and mistresses right across the United Kingdom that should not have had to wait for an ITV drama in order to see justice or indeed in order to see compensation. But, of course, it is important that the UK government has acted. Uh, Douglas Ross is right. I wrote to the Prime Minister. I should say I've received a response back from the Prime Minister. The response is a positive one that he is willing to work on a UK-wide basis. I'm, I should say, happy to release uh, that response, though I think we're waiting for number 10 to confirm that they're also happy for us uh, to do so. But that detail in that response uh, does say that the UK government are willing to work with the Scottish government in order to look at a UK-wide basis for uh, mass exoneration for those who have been wrongfully convicted. I listened very carefully uh, to what Lord Advocate had to say, both in her statement and indeed in response uh, to questions. She was making the point, of course, that there is a current appeals uh, process uh, through the Scottish Criminal Case Review Commission uh, as well in order to investigate uh, mass uh, miscarriages of justice. But let me just be clear, so Douglas Ross uh, has no misunderstanding. Uh, We support the UK government looking at legislation for mass exoneration of those who are wrongfully convicted. And we've written to the UK government, got a positive response back, and we hope that the legislation can apply on a UK-wide basis. Douglas Ross. Well, well that doesn't actually clear up uh, the case here in Scotland. Well, the First Minister says it does, but of course the UK legislation it will apply in England and Wales, but this issue is devolved 
here in Scotland. And we have his top legal officer who sits in the Scottish Government Cabinet saying something quite different to the First Minister. Let me quote again from the Lord Advocate on Tuesday. It's an important process because not every case involving horizon evidence will be a miscarriage of justice and each case must be considered carefully. That's the Lord Advocate's current position. So what that is, is a refusal to change the process and accelerate the system because there may be some guilty people. Surely it's better to accept the tiny possibility that a guilty person will have their conviction overturned than allowing dozens of innocent postmasters to live with the stain of guilt for a minute longer. So can I ask the First Minister, what discussions has he had with the Lord Advocate since her statement on Tuesday, and does he agree that these convictions must be quashed as quickly as possible? First Minister. The, the Lord Advocate and I are due to uh, speak again uh, tomorrow, I believe. Uh, but what I would say to Douglas Ross is that Lord Advocate, uh, when she was speaking in the Chamber, of course, was speaking as the independent head of prosecutions. Uh, that is an important uh, part of uh, her function, which is distinct, of course, to her position when she provides uh, legal advice uh, as a member of uh, this government. It's still my preference, I should say, that there is <coughs> the UK-wide basis, uh, UK-wide legislation, <coughs> as UK legislation is applied in, on, on a UK-wide basis through an LCM. I think that would be the preferable route. Now, there are complexities to work uh, through there. I think the, the choice that Douglas Ross is presenting as a binary choice is, is not the correct one. The best position for all of us is urgently seeing the mass exoneration for those who were wrongfully convicted. And of course, for those whose conviction was sound and is sound, nobody wants to see necessarily their conviction overturned and then being able to apply for compensation. So if we can get the, the best of uh, both worlds, if we can get to that position, that is the best uh, position to get to. And that is why we're willing to work with the UK government, who presumably also don't want sound convictions overturned if they can avoid that, we will work with the UK government in that respect. But let's not forget about what we are dealing here. This, I'm afraid, is a scandal that was born in Westminster. This is a post office that is wholly reserved, wholly responsible to UK government ministers. I accept, lied to UK government ministers. Briefly, First Minister. The UK governments clearly did not interrogate the post office uh, strongly uh, enough. And therefore, the public inquiry is important. And I would urge the UK government to make sure they fully co uh, cooperate with that public inquiry. Douglas Ross. The Crown Office is wholly devolved here in Scotland. That's why the situation is very different here. The Post Office could not prosecute uh, these individuals here. It was the Crown Office. Uh, one of those who was prosecuted uh, was Judith Smith. She pled guilty in 2009 at Selkirk Sheriff Court to a charge of fraud after thousands of pounds disappeared. Judith's lawyer told us that the Crown Office displayed a worrying lack of scepticism at the Post Office's case, particularly as there was no trace of the money anywhere. Judith was even asked if she'd blown it all on a lavish holiday or if she had a gambling problem. Her conviction was finally quashed just last week. But Judith's lawyer said the Crown Office should have launched a review of all past Post Office prosecutions the minute it became aware of the Horizon problem in 2013. They didn't, and it took a further two years for prosecutors to dismiss ongoing cases that relied on Horizon evidence. 
So can the First Minister explain why prosecutions in Scotland continued for two more years after the Crown Office became aware of concerns with Horizon? And does the First Minister agree with the Scottish Conservative calls that the, the Lord Advocate at the time, Frank Mulholland, should come to this Parliament to answer questions on this scandal? First Minister. Uh, first of all, uh, can we be clear? What it took was an ITV drama in order to get the UK government to make sure that they took action, even though they were being told by hundreds of sub-postmasters and mistresses up and down the country that they had been lied to. So let's not forget that is what spurred the UK government into action, not the pleas and the desperate pleas of sub-postmasters right up and down the country. And let's go back to the point, of course, that the Lord Advocate made, I think very clearly, in this chamber that the Crown was, in her words, I believe, uh, misled and, not, and given false reassurances by the UK Post Office, time and time and time again. And I have to say, hearing the harrowing testimonies, including, of course, the one uh, from Judith uh, that, that, that Douglas Ross uh, just articulated, uh, there are many uh, institutions that will be answerable for what they did and the action that they took. And I would fully expect, and I'm certain it will be the case, that the Crown Office would also, uh, of course, fully cooperate with the public inquiry uh, underway. In terms of why the Crown chose to prosecute cases post-2013, again, the Lord Advocate laid that out, laid out the fact that, of course, there was guidance to prosecutors in 2013 involving Horizon uh, cases. And, of course, then they stopped prosecuting cases in 2015 that were sufficiently dependent on Horizon data. In terms of Lord Advocate, of course, the current Lord Advocate is responsible and answerable for the Crown. Of course, she has, has already answered questions about what took place uh, in 2013, and, and she has already said if MSPs want a further opportunity to question her, then she will make herself available. Douglas Ross. Of course, my question was about one of her predecessors, and I think it is crucial uh, that this Parliament hears from Frank Mulholland, and it would just be interesting to know if the First Minister uh, supports those Scottish Conservative calls. Because all of this matters here in Holyrood because the Crown Office is a devolved institution. The procedure by which these convictions can be quashed will be set by this Government and this Parliament. But the process set out by the Lord Advocate could see that taking far, far longer in Scotland than it should. Myra Philp worked with her mum Mary at the post office in Ochtermachty in 2001. At 7am one morning, post office auditors burst through the door and demanded the keys to the shop. Mary, a former policewoman, was suspended, but she immediately suspected Horizon was to blame. The post office, on the other hand, blamed her teenage grandchildren. Auditors accused them of breaking in during the night overriding the time lock and taking the money. Now, Mary wasn't prosecuted, but she lost her business. She died in 2018, the year before Alan Bates forced the post office to admit Horizon was desperately flawed. Myra told us this, my mum died not knowing she was right. The Lord Advocate is head of the independent judiciary in Scotland, but she is also the chief legal advisor to the Scottish Government and the Cabinet. So does the First Minister accept that if we follow the position the Lord Advocate laid out to the Scottish Parliament of her preferred process, it will take far too long for postmasters wrongly convicted and some could die before their names are cleared? First Minister. Can I uh, give clarity once again, not just to Douglas Ross, uh, but to Mary's family, 
to all the other sub-postmasters and sub-postmistresses right across Scotland. Uh, the UK Government uh, last week announced that they were looking to bring forward legislation in the UK Parliament in order for mass exonerations to take place when it comes to wrongful convictions. Uh, I have written to the Prime Minister to say we welcome uh, that, uh, progress, that process. And not only that, as the First Minister, that we'd be willing to work with the UK Government for that legislation to, be, uh, to take place and have effect on a UK-wide basis. Now, that could be through an LCM. I should say to Douglas Ross, if an LCM, for whatever reason, the UK uh, government, uh, uh, if, the, if, the, if that is not possible, we are already working on contingencies that are in separate Scottish legislation, if that is required. I hope not. I think that if there is a possibility for an LCM, uh, that would be uh, the easiest and the quickest route. Uh, I, as the First Minister of Scotland, will decide what legislative route, of course, uh, is brought forward uh, to uh, this parliament in order to exonerate those who are wrongfully convicted. Let's say once again that harrowing testimony that Douglas Ross has given in relation to what Mary had to suffer, uh, and no doubt the consequences are still felt by her family. That happened on the UK government's watch. That happened because of a post office that's wholly reserved to the UK government. And UK government ministers of UK-based parties, time after time after time, did not believe sub-postmasters and sub-postmistresses like Mary and others who were being harassed by the post office at the time. And, it, and they have waited far too long for justice. And let me give an absolute confirmation and assurance to them that we will work with the UK government and whoever else we need to to make sure there is not a single day longer Briefly, that First Minister, wait, not just for justice, but for access to compensation. You're listening to The Week in Holyrood with Charles Fletcher. Here's Labour leader Anna Sawa. Officer, can I echo the best wishes to King Charles and the Duchess of Rossi and wish them both a speedy recovery? Presenting officer, confusion about the ban of XL dogs in Scotland has brought dangerous dogs back into the headlines. Today, the SNP government will finally make a statement, and I hope they take action. But like so many issues, it is only when media pressure builds that SNP ministers respond. Too often they act on headlines rather than the evidence. In the last parliament, I sat on the Public Audit and Post-Legislative Scrutiny Committee when it produced a report on the 2010 Control of Dogs Act. The cross-party committee called for a review of the law and the focus to be on irresponsible owners and breeders. The government accepted the findings of the committee and committed to a review in 2019. So can I ask the First Minister, nearly five years on, why are we still waiting? First Minister. Can I say, of course, there was uh, something that happened between uh, 2020 and, of course, the current uh, time, and that was a global pandemic, which, of course, undoubtedly resulted in the fact that other work had to be delayed. I think most individuals uh, would accept that. In terms of the XL uh, bully uh, uh, safeguards that the UK government have brought in, they, of course, made that announcement without a single uh, word of consultation with the Scottish Government. I suspect if at that point I had said to Anna Sawar that yes, we'll take immediate action, he would have demanded what consultation we had had. So it was right that Siobhan Brown took the time to have consultation with, uh, of course, animal welfare stakeholders, with those who are involved in animal rehoming uh, centres. I should say the Scottish Government still absolutely believes that the correct approach is deed uh, not breed. But we have to also be able to respond to the fact that we've seen media reports of a number of people bringing their XL bully dogs uh, over the border to Scotland. So we have consulted, we have taken time 
uh, to engage, and we will bring forward uh, safeguards. And it should be said, this is not a ban. Of course, people will still be able to have their XL bully dogs if they, of course, uh, meet the criteria of the regulations that are brought forward. But let me say to Anna Sawar, when it comes uh, to the stricter regime that we have in terms of the Control of Dogs Act, in terms of, de uh, in terms of the, the various notices and the stricter regime that we have here in Scotland, I'm pleased that we have a strict regime here in Scotland uh, that isn't available elsewhere in the UK. Anna Sarwar. I know the First Minister is not good in the detail, but the, uh, control of, the review of the Control of Dogs Act was in the programme for government in 2021 <laughs> during COVID. Oh, so I'm not sure yeah. that excuse holds any water. Oh, in, in 2022 alone, victims were treated in Scotland's hospital are reported 7,600 times for injuries inflicted by dogs. These dogs were out of control, often mistreated or poorly trained by their owners. Many of the injuries people sustained disfigured them for life. Kirstine Hobson is a postwoman in Oban. In December, she was brutally attacked by a German shepherd and sustained serious injuries to her face, leg and arm and needed specialist plastic surgery. She'll be scarred for life emotionally and physically. But nothing that the government is announcing today would have helped Kirstine. The government promised five years ago to take action against irresponsible owners and breeders, not just an individual breed. So if the government can act on XL bullies, what will it take for them to protect people like Kirstine and so many others that they have repeatedly promised to do? First Minister. Uh, that simply goes to Kirstine for the injuries uh, that she has suffered. But just to say to Anasawa, of course, that we did uh, take action on the back of the work uh, done in 2019. That's why we have uh, a really important regime of dog control uh, notices. That is the regime that I'm talking about that does not exist uh, in England uh, and Wales. And if Anasawa had the detail in front of him, he would know that. He would also know, of course, that there are currently more than 1,200 active dog control notices in place in Scotland. Uh, and XL bully dogs, we know, represent 2% uh, of those DCNs that are in force. So one dog attack is, of course, one uh, too many. And we've taken a whole range of actions to protect uh, communities as best we possibly can. And that dog control notice regime that we do have uh, undoubtedly uh, will help in that regard. But we'll continue to work with Police Scotland, with local authorities, with the SSPCA, and indeed other relevant interests to keep communities safe from the very small minority, and we should be clear about that, it's a very small minority of irresponsible dog owners for their dangerous dogs. Anna Sarwar. 7,600 treatments in hospital related to dog attacks in one single year. I don't think the First Minister should be playing that down because that would be of extreme concern to families across the country. Hamza Yusuf was, of course, Justice Secretary when this government promised to review the Control of Dogs Act and still nothing has happened. People like Kirstein shouldn't have to be fearful when they go to work and parents shouldn't have to fear for their kids when they take them to the park. This government has a responsibility to protect people, not just respond to bad headlines. But too often, sadly, that is the case. We saw it with the infection scandal at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. We saw it last week and again today with the post office scandal. And now we see it with XL bully dogs. So this government must commit to stronger powers for councils and the police and make it clear that the responsibility for dogs lies with owners and breeders. So does he accept that we can't wait until another 7,000 people are harmed before this government fixes the Control of Dogs Act. First Minister. Can I say to Anasawa, his, his third question there took no account of, at all of the response that I gave to his previous question. That is the problem, because Anasawa says 
we failed uh, to act. If he had stopped just reading the pre-prepared script, he would have, of course, heard me say that we brought in a DCN regime, that dog control notice regime that came in, that did not, does not exist in England and Wales. And the fact that we have that in place uh, has meant, of course, that we have more than 1,200 active dog control notices in place uh, as uh, we speak. So we'll continue to work, of course, with Police Scotland, with local authorities, the SSPCA and other relevant stakeholders to keep our communities safe. We've established on top of that an operational working group involving local authorities, Police Scotland, COSLA and key stakeholders to progress uh, this work. We've also commissioned a national dog control notice database to help enforcement agencies better monitor the control of uh, dogs. When it comes to having to respond to the UK government's actions, and that's what we're having uh, to do in this case, wouldn't it be far better that we didn't have to always respond to what the UK government does and instead have the full powers here in Scotland presiding officer? Well, after that session, the government said it would impose safety measures, but it would be wrong to define these as a ban. In the House of Commons, the Prime Minister has seen off a Tory rebellion to get his controversial Rwanda immigration policy through. But it's not over yet. From the central lobby at the UK Parliament, Sky's Beth Rigby. The eyes to the right, 320. The nose to the left, 276. The eyes have it, the eyes have it. Look! I mean, that is a comfortable majority. The Prime Minister, I think, will be delighted uh, by that. There was an expectation that after the second reading it would get through, but potentially with a much reduced majority, 44 uh, majority. is going to be pleased with that. And I've managed to keep Sir Jacob with me. Uh, other people want him. Um, just quickly, what's your reaction to that good majority, huh? You're absolutely right. The Prime Minister will be pleased with 44. It's better than he thought he would get a week ago. His team have worked very hard to reassure people about their intention behind the law, and I think that helped swing people over. So, Jacob, one, one thing that, that is really obvious to ask is it will go to the Lords now. It's very likely that the Lords will dilute this legislation. When it comes back to the Commons... What will happen then? Because you might find yourself in a row with one nationers who quite like a diluted bill and you guys will want it toughened up again. What's your message to the Prime Minister? It won't be possible to toughen it up because all the amendments from the Lords will be weakening amendments and you can't amend back to toughen. That has to be done in, in the common stage effectively. Um, Yes, it's possible that the One Nation group won't like it, but actually the Commons and the Conservative Party in the Commons tend to um, take exception to the Lords trying to overrule the democratically elected House on a matter that is much more political than it's administrative. The Lords is there as a revising chamber, not one to battle the democratic will of the Commons on a deeply political issue. And a majority of 44 is a message to their Lordships that this has solid support in the lower House. And just finally... Uh, in terms of where we go now, the Prime Minister has been bruised and battered by this row. It, it's not a good look for a Prime Minister to be battling his party. He's come out of this weakened. Do you think he can rebuild? Well, I mean, in the division lobby ten minutes ago, he was there, and he seemed full of beans. Did you talk to him? Oh, I said good evening, I mean, um, but, but he seemed very positive. He doesn't seem like somebody who is... Um, 
bowed down by any of this. He's got a great spirit, which leaders need. Leaders have to be thick-skinned. There's no point in being a leader of any country at any time or any party at any time uh, if you haven't got the hide of a rhinoceros. OK, so, Jacob, thank you very much for thank keeping you. with us on Sky News. The SNP's Westminster leader, Stephen Flynn, challenged the Prime Minister in the Commons and wondered if Rishi Sunak really gets the discard. Mr Speaker, when people woke up today in homes that they can't afford to heat with mortgages that they're struggling to pay to news that inflation is once again on the rise, they'll have looked to Westminster for answers and instead they find a UK government which is tearing itself apart over how quickly it can send vulnerable people on a plane to Rwanda. Surely the Prime Minister must understand that the anger that some of his own backbenchers have towards him is no comparison to the anger that the public have towards his party. Mr Speaker, if the Honourable Gentleman did care about supporting working families to pay their bills, to pay their mortgage, why on earth is the SNP making Scotland the highest tax part of the United Kingdom where the average, Mr Speaker, not the wealthiest, where the average worker in Scotland is now paying more tax than they do in England? Of course, Mr Speaker, when it comes to the the Rwanda bill, the reality is that if you want to stop the smuggler gangs, you should introduce safe and legal routes. But instead, the Prime Minister is seeking to weaponise some of the most vulnerable people in society. It is straight out of the cruel and callous right-wing extremist playgroup. His time in office is fast approaching its conclusion. Does he seriously want this to be his legacy? Well, Mr Speaker, as I said, it is important that we stop the boats because illegal migration is simply not fair, Mr Speaker. It's not right that some people jump the queue, that they take away our resources to help those who are the most compassionate, that need our most help, and, by the way, Mr Speaker, are exploited by gangs, and many of them lose their lives making these dangerous crossings. So I completely disagree with the Honourable Gentleman. The fair and the compassionate thing to do is to break these criminal gangs, and that's why we're going to stop the boats. Politics change, but never stop. It affects everything we do. I'm Charles Fletcher with The Week in Hollywood. Join me here for coverage of the Scottish, UK and European parliaments. It's a crucial election year where you once again have a choice. Who's in, who's out, the ups, the downs. Join me, Charles Fletcher, bringing Holyrood home. You're listening to The Week in Holyrood with Charles Fletcher. Still to come in the programme, Labour's Jackie Bailey claims cancer treatment has become a postcode lottery. And Starmer versus Sunak, head to head in the House. We're in the press gallery at the Scottish Parliament where we continue now with questions to the First Minister. Here's the presiding officer, Alison Johnston. Question number three, Alexander Stewart. Thank you, Presiding Officer. To ask the First Minister what the Scottish Government's response is to reports that Scotland has among the worst survival rates for some of the most serious cancers. First Minister. Cancer remains a national priority for the NHS and the Scottish Government, which is why we published a 10-year strategy in June 2023 focused on improving cancer survival and providing equitable access to treatment. It includes a focus on the less survivable cancers and improving their outcomes. The strategy and the plan take a comprehensive 
approach to improving patient pathways in cancer from prevention and diagnosis right the way through to treatment and, of course, post-treatment uh, care. I'm very heartened by the fact that overall cancer mortality in Scotland has decreased by 11% over the last 10 years, but we recognise, of course, we have much more to do, particularly when it comes to less survivable cancers. And I can I put on record the fact that I know Alexander Stewart has raised these issues on a number of occasions and the importance uh, uh, that he attaches uh, to this is shared by the government too. Alexander Stewart. I thank the First Minister for that response. The SNP government have been responsible for running health for nearly 17 years. Data shows that out of 33 countries of comparable wealth and income levels, Scotland ranks as low as 32nd for a five-year survival from pancreatic cancer, 31st for stomach cancer, and 29th for lung cancer. First Minister, you should be ashamed that your government has allowed the five-year survival rates for these cancers to deteriorate to some of the lowest in the developed world. And what action will you take to resolve this? Always through the chair, please. First Minister. When, when uh, of course, uh, there are uh, those type of uh, rates and survival rates, uh, then there is work for the Scottish Government to do. There's no getting away from that. I have spoken often about uh, my own uh, personal uh, experience in relation to, to pancreatic cancer. I've lost an uncle, a dear uncle, uh, to pancreatic cancer. So it's an issue that's very personal uh, to me. Uh, I should say, of course, there are areas uh, where we compare very favourably to those 33 countries in terms of liver uh, cancer, for example, survival rates. Scotland is 12th, uh, whereas the UK overall is 21, England uh, 25th place. So there are uh, other cancer types where we're, where we're seeing progress, but clearly in other uh, areas such as pancreatic cancer, uh, stomach cancer, uh, brain cancer, lung cancer, there's still uh, much more for us to do. In relation to what we are doing, I'll make sure the Cabinet Secretary for Health uh, writes in detail uh, to Alexander Stewart, but what we are doing is trying to speed up diagnosis where we can, uh, and that's why we're investing in our Detect Cancer Early uh, programme, but also uh, investing in the Rapid Cancer Diagnostic uh, Services, which are currently operational in five NHS boards across Scotland, and uh, the early evaluation uh, from those Rapid Cancer Diagnosis, diagnosis Services do...
online at k107.co.uk and on air at 107FM. This is K107 News. Head teachers in England will be able to stop an inspection if they think staff are under too much pressure following changes implemented by Ofsted. The school watchdog's publishing its new policy following the death of Ruth Perry. A coroner concluded a report downgrading her school over safeguarding concerns likely contributed to her suicide. Teacher Amy Clark says it's a step in the right direction but wants single-word judgments to be removed. They can destroy careers, they can destroy communities as well because they're really unfair because we're given a one-word judgment within a two-day inspection. That doesn't give the whole picture of what a school is like. That's just a snapshot. It can mean that head teachers leave. A former detective believes several people have been targeted for standing up to the police ahead of the outcome of a review into the way the Greater Manchester Force handles complaints. Maggie Oliver thinks Danica Stewart, who's sharing her story of being strip-searched in custody, isn't alone. It's power because when I left the police station that day the the sergeant on the desk said to me you need to drop all your complaints against the police they needed to show me who was boss the iopc watchdog insists its complaint systems simplified making it more accessible to the public greater manchester police says it can't comment on this case until the review's over adding it admits its failings when unsuccessful the chancellor's hinted at more possible tax cuts in the spring budget jeremy hunt says low tax economies are currently seeing the best growth Pubs and bars which stopped serving large glasses of wine found the total amount they sold dropped by around 8%. Researchers predict it could be a simple way of nudging people to drink less. And in sport, Egypt manager Rui Vittoria is hopeful Mo Salah's injury is not too serious after their two-all draw with Ghana at the Africa Cup of Nations. The Liverpool forward was substituted just before half-time with an apparent hamstring problem in the Group B clash. That's the latest. I'm Tanya Snugs. K107 News. Live and local across the Langton. K107 FM sounds like this. I've been waiting for you To come around and tell me the truth About everything that you're going through My girl, you've got nothing to lose Cold nights and the Sunday mornings On your way and out of the grave I've got time, I've got love Got confidence, rise above Give me a minute to hold my girl Give me a minute to hold my girl Crowded town, silent bed Pick a place to rest your head Give me a minute to hold my girl Give me a minute to hold my girl I've been dreaming about us Working hard and saving it up We'll go and see the man on the moon My girl, we've got nothing to lose Cold nights and the Sunday mornings On your way out of the grave 
I've got time, I've got love, got confidence, rise above. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Crowded town, silent bed, be a good place to rest your head. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. My girl, my girl. It takes one hot second to turn it around. It takes one hot second to turn it around. I've got time. I've got love. Got confidence. You rise above give me a minute to hold my girl give me a minute to hold my girl crowded town silent bed be a good place to rest your head give me a minute to hold my girl give me a minute to hold my girl i've got time i've got love Got confidence, you rise above. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Crowded town, silent bed. Pick a place to rest your head. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Listen to real music variety on your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play K107. Okay, it's time to shake our groove thing. I don't want to talk about it. There isn't much to say. I don't have an excuse to why I won't come to your party. And I don't want my picture taken. I'd hate it anyway. No, I don't want to spoil your night, just go have fun without me I'm pushing food around my plate, cause my father said I'm overweight Well maybe he'd feel better, if I just disappeared altogether And I got so good at faking smiles, I can do it for a little while Just don't ask me if I'm okay, cause I'm not okay, no It's hard to show you something invisible no tears no scars no bruises it's not physical it's covered up and hidden tight beneath the skin inside the mind you wouldn't even notice you wouldn't even know invisible Invisible I don't wanna shout about it Make it about me Cause they've already had all of my problems on TV Got everything I ever wanted But nothing that I need If anything it's just another reason I feel guilty 
Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Hey, this is Adam from Maroon 5. Five. This is K107 FM. Kirkcaldy for Kirkcaldy. 
If you like Dave who orders his weekly supermarket shop online, or like Sandra who renews her insurance through a comparison site, or even Alan who orders his office supplies online, you can be raising free donations every time you shop. When you shop, renew or order online through easy fundraising, thousands of big brands will donate to organisations like K107FM and it doesn't cost you a penny. Search Easy Fundraising and K107FM and make your money count. Whether you're searching for contemporary or unique, for fine jewellery and gift ideas, step into Eloise Jewellery on the High Street, Kirkcaldy, for a surprising selection of sparkles. Gold, silver, jewels, designer brands, watches and handbags, plus the in-house Eloise workshop for repairs and to create your personal, individual and bespoke designs. For details, click on eloiseoriginal.co.uk or find Eloise Jewellery on Facebook. Always local, always vocal. This is K107 FM. Kirkcaldy for Kirkcaldy. This is K107FM. From Seafield to Sinclair Town. This is K107FM. Loud and Kirkcaldy proud. This is K107FM. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Will he offer me his mouth? Yes. Will he offer me his teeth? Yes. Will he offer me his jaws? Yes. Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. Again, will he offer me his hunger? Yes. And will he starve without me? Yes. Then does he love me? Yes. Yes. On a hot summer night, 
Would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yes. I bet you say that to all the boys. Thompson Technologies are ready to help you with all your tech needs and are now open at Wellesley Road in Metal. Whether for business, personal use or gaming, they custom build PCs to your specification. They also specialise in repairs, upgrades, general PC maintenance, laptop sales, CCTV, security and home electronic accessories. They're a games workshop stockist too. For more information, visit thompsontechnologies.co.uk. Thompson Technologies, your local tech and electronics outlet. You can still nip into the multi-award winning Burnt Island Butchers from Monday to Saturday and enjoy unrivaled service and quality. Or you can now go online to tomcourts.co.uk and order for delivery anywhere on mainland UK. Treat friends and family and send Lauren to Liverpool, some haggis to Hull, or just get what you love delivered to your door. Nip in, log in, tuck in. Tom Courts, 213 High Street, Burnt Island and tomcourts.co.uk. When it comes to selling your home, no one knows the local market better than Fife Properties. Here's what Colin Davidson said about selling in London Links. Fife Properties I found offered five-star service. This company continues to surpass expectations. The standard of service, attention to detail and passion for the customer I found was exceptional. Don't go anywhere else to buy or sell a house. Fife Properties. Helping you manage life as it happens. From the Beverage Park to the Borland. This is K107 FM. 24 hours a day. This is Kirkcaldy's Community Radio. K107 FM. This is K107 FM. Live and local across the Langton. This is K107 FM.